Welcome to Book Talk. This is your host, Anthony Moirore. And as always, at Book Talk, we get to have an author come and tell us about his book or her book. And today, we have an interesting guest with an interesting story. <laughs> and uh, the guest today is known as Jennifer Benson. Now, Jennifer Benson is a second an English as a second language teacher from New Berlin, New York. But she's worked overseas for about 13 years. And in the 13 years that she's uh, worked there, she's had some great experiences. And one of the experiences is just about to come out as a memoir, talking about how she survived the tsunami. <laughs> but I, I don't want to preempt the story because we have Jennifer with us. So let's take this time and welcome Jennifer to the show. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Oh, thank you so much, Anthony. It's so great to be here today. Thank you for having me on as a guest. Yeah, and it's such an honor that you took your time to come and be with us and share your story with us. So you're most welcome. And uh, we are waiting to hear what you have for us. <laughs> so, Great. <laughs> yeah, to begin with, uh, let us uh, know a bit about yourself. Please introduce to us. Let's let's get to know who you are before you get to know what happened. Oh, great. Well, you know, I am a an, a writer. That's probably first and foremost in my life. Yeah. And I got into writing after I came back home after living abroad for 13 years in the Middle East. Okay. You know, and that was quite an experience, both as a woman and an expat. Mm -hmm. And I had quite a few challenges while I was over there. And then once I got back home to New upstate New York, I thought, hmm, I looked over my old journals and I thought maybe there's a story here. So I started putting a memoir together uh, and it came out to be over, I think, 400 pages. So my editor and I decided to break it up into two books. So there's oh. going to be a part, yeah, I know, part one, <laughs> part two, because I didn't want to chop it up. Okay. But, um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. And then um, obviously, you know, I, like you said, I teach English as a second language to all the you know, children from different countries that come into our area here in um, upstate New York, and I teach them English. So oh, that's cool. also something that I did when I was abroad. So I have uh, the best of both worlds right now. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So you've always been teaching English uh, from the word go. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what you've been all your life. Even right. before you went overseas, you were teaching? Yes, I was teaching and I love teaching, but I also felt this draw to be a writer. So it's kind of I think there's a big term now in the United States. It's kind of my side hustle, they call it, okay. where you get into something part time. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and then it's a passion. It's something that you love in addition to my teaching. So, yeah, I mean, I love the writing and, you know, and I um, love sharing my story. I love being on podcasts. So it's a whole different world for me, along with the teaching. Yeah. Ah, oh, wonderful. Now, and uh, you're from the U.S. and you choose to go, of all the other places, you choose to go to the Middle East, or did the Middle East choose you? Well, that's a good question. The Middle East chose me. Yeah. My, sister, my sister was already in Kuwait. Okay. I, she had gone to, and if there's any teachers out there, uh -huh. she went to these international job fairs. So okay. There was one in Washington, D.C., and she had a 
of course, sometimes you can't pick where you go, right? Uh, you know, yeah, you have to yeah. go where there's a job opening. So she had a choice between Bangladesh and Kuwait. Okay. So she chose Kuwait because she really liked the um, director of the school. Okay. When she was there for a few months, she's like, oh, this is great. I love this. She sent pictures home and it really sparked something in me because you know, at the time, my life was just not satisfactory. I was in a long-term 10-year relationship with someone, a college boyfriend, wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. I was in a stressful job and I'm thinking, okay, God, I want something different, but I don't quite know what it is. Mm -hmm. So then this job opening came up at Missy School at an international school in Kuwait. And she's like, we have two positions here, one in the elementary, one in the middle school. Why don't you send your resume in and just see what happens? Okay. So I, I'm like, all right, what the heck? I'm going to send it in. If it's meant to be, it'll work out. If it's not meant to be, I'll stay where I am and figure it out. Somehow. Yeah. And then it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, wonderful. Like, so you just found yourself there and you are like, yeah. okay, this is the place to be. So how yeah. about at the beginning when you're in a different area? That's not where you grew up. Maybe the culture is different, the food, everything around is not what you're used to. How was it? Well, you know, the first week they do an orientation with all the new teachers. So you get to know each other. And I remember our director saying, you better get to know each other and, you know, and get to get to know each other well, because you're going to be each other's family. You know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're not yeah. going to have family here. Uh -huh. So we went out, we did shopping trips. We went out to eat a lot. They, the school kept us so busy. You didn't realize where you were, you know, and then after a while, you're like, oh, my God. And then another country, you start hearing the mosque calls, you know, five times a day, you wake up and you hear that and you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I love being immersed in a different culture, even uh -huh. with a different religion. Um, you know, there was a lot of new things and there's a lot of, um, you know, teaching kids from I think we had over kids from 20 different countries. Whoa. So you get to learn their perspective on things and you're just like, wow, that's different from what I believed or, you know, yeah. it challenged a lot of my assumptions about what the Middle East was like. And I loved so many things about the Middle East, right? I probably mm -hmm. wouldn't have stayed that long, you know, but the yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, once you go there and you don't like what you find there, you can always decide to go back from where you're coming from. Right. And yeah. we had to, we had to go out here. We had to follow the customs. We had to follow the um, the laws, especially yeah. during Ramadan. Mm -hmm. And our director said, if you don't like it, <laughs> you don't have to stay, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I liked it and I wanted to stay. And I'm like, you know what? This is a great, ex I learned to accept it as a great experience. Mm -hmm. And I got to take some great trips. I got to pay off college loans. There were so many benefits of it that I'm like, there's no way I'm going to give this up right now. There's no way. And I got to meet some wonderful people and I love yeah. my students. So yeah, it was such a great experience. So the first couple months were hard. There's no doubt you miss your family and um, things. But at the same time, the idea of going back home felt almost like I was suffocating, you mm -hmm. know, like it just didn't fit me anymore. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I rather stay here and figure it out than go back home and be in that same situation again. There was no way. I can imagine. And it's not always uh, an easy thing to change from one thing to the other and then back right. to what you had started from. I mean, there are some yeah. questions that uh, remain when, when you go back to where you're coming from. So sometimes we feel the challenge to go behind, to go to, to where we started because uh, the questions that could be out there, we may not right. be ready to answer. Yeah, <laughs> so you gotta I figure it out. Yeah, yeah, you can figure it out. So yes, 
Uh, so everything was going on well, and you are enjoying the time. You are making some new friends, and uh, uh, your your finances were good because I believe that uh, being an overseas uh, tutor, you could have been some uh, with some special benefits, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our school paid as well. They paid for our housing. They paid for our flight. So as a teacher going overseas, a lot of the times, depending on where you go, mainly the Middle East and Asia. You get paid a lot more than you do in the United States. And it gives you a huge chance to pay off college debt, which I probably would have been paying on for the next 20 years. So I was very grateful for our, you know, that opportunity financially. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. So everything, <laughs> everything in life is going on well and everything right. you're happy. And, uh, and then some things happen in life that break the pattern. I mean, right. this is why we are here. At what point did the tsunami happen? And uh, yeah, get us get get us started and how you came to be in that story. Well, you know, I um, my sister left Kuwait after one year. I got to have that time with her, and somebody replaced her, and that okay. was David. Okay. And I ended up dating David, which you know oh, you can't make this stuff good. up. You know? uh, loving his hair. <laughs> oh, right. So then yeah. you know we were friends for a long time, and then we started dating, and we actually took a trip to Thailand together back in 2004 during that whole time of the tsunami. We were in um, southern Thailand, you know, oh. on the, on a beach in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we had been doing a lot of kayaking and things, but luckily that morning, the tsunami happened around eight o'clock. We woke up late mm -hmm. or we would have been out there kayaking. Um, so we woke up late, uh, went down to a restaurant on the beach and we saw the waves receded all the way out into the sea where all yeah. the big heavy Thai boats were all stranded in the sand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people... David went over to the dive shop, so, uh, and I was standing up looking at it, and everyone was just scratching their heads. No one knew what it was. Yeah. They didn't know there was an earthquake. And then people were even walking out toward the waves out in the mm -hmm. water. So basically, mm -hmm. the water got sucked out, and it formed a huge, tall wall. Yeah. And so there's Thai fishermen. They're all scratching their heads, walking out. It's almost like we were just under this trance. Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what is wrong with the water you know mm -hmm. so this went on for a while and the waves were getting more turbulent the boats that were really far out um into the um, water like the more private boats they were getting thrashed about and destroyed they were gone they were sunken underwater and i was like oh my gosh so finally you know everybody's just standing on the beach looking finally the dive instructor came out of her little shop on the beach where david was mm -hmm. she came out and looked at that water being sucked out and she was the only one it seemed to know what was going on and she said run run it's a tsunami you got to get out of here run that water's going to be coming in run and she was trying to go around and gather everybody up and get us the heck out of there yeah. so basically the only only you know solution that we had we had a path that led up to our hotel way up in the mountains mm -hmm. um, because that part of thailand was famous for um, rock climbing Okay. So luckily, our hotel was really high up, so we just ran for it. Luckily, we knew that trail, uh -huh. and we ran back up on the trail. Yeah. And at one point, it was like it's just like a bad dream. You hear people screaming, you hear people shouting, trying to find their loved ones. You hear water gushing. It sounds like a train or like a jet engine. Um, you feel you hear things breaking, and I my legs just gave out, and it felt like one of those bad dreams where you can't make your legs move. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm like what's the point? It's just gonna, 
you know, I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm gonna make it. And David's like, come on. And he dragged my hand and we, you know, pretty much dragged me up that mountain. Um, you know, and I mean, we made it to higher ground, but mm-hmm. you know, in my book, I just talk about what that whole experience was like second by second, because mm-hmm. when you're there, you know, um, there's just all the, your five senses, what you hear, what you, what you smell, what you see, you know, and yeah, it was very a vivid experience for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. So in the process, were you, were you hurt in any way? I mean, I mean, when you, you say you legs give up give up i mean did you fall did you pain did you what happened well i almost fell down and my legs just felt like jelly you know yeah. and it, it kind of shows you i was a little disappointed in myself because i'm like okay in times of emergency uh-huh. um thank god david was with me because you know and then you've just never been in an experience like that before so you don't know how you're going to react uh-huh. you know so uh, i don't know if i'm not good in stressful situations like tsunamis but Thank God David was there because I could have been trampled. I had people bumping into me. I had, um, you know, people screaming to get out of the way. I mean, I was fumbling around, kind of stumbling, you know, and David, you know, grabbed a hold of my, put his grasp onto my forearm and hauled yeah. me up the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it's just, yeah, you just kind of, you know, I let David kind of lead me up the hill. And I think he did pretty much the rest of the way, you know, once he grabbed onto me, I felt a little bit better like I okay I can handle this you know but when I was running by myself I'm like I, I I can't do this I can there's too much distraction going on behind me with the screaming and with the yelling and with the yeah. crying and with the breaking and with the water gushing I just I think it, I might I was just overloaded with that stuff okay so finally you made it up I mean you yeah the hotel oh thank god that you made it but then uh things happened and I I guess they happened so quickly but then I'm trying to imagine because of the news that we had and what we saw on television and things like that. Um, it wasn't an easy thing right after that happened, the few minutes. How long did it last? Well, you know, I, la- I think it lasted within a matter of minutes. I would say maybe 10 at the most. I'm not an expert on it, but there were three waves. So the first couple waves that came in, that's when the dive instructor told us to run. Okay. Then there, and then usually with a tsunami, because I did a little research on it, the third and biggest wave is, is you know, comes after that. Mm-hmm. So that, we were already up the hill when, you know, that came in, thank God. Okay. Uh, you know, but I have pictures of it. I think I sent you a couple pictures. Uh, David was on the beach crazily yeah. taking pictures of that first wave coming yeah. in just to show you how big that was mm-hmm. but i mean we're talking 30 40 feet at the you know the first one uh i don't know how big the last one was but you know when you get up at the top you know you're like afraid to come back down again you know yeah. you don't know and the people the thai people to my knowledge did not know what that was yeah and they were walking around with life preservers on thinking mm. that there, there were rumors of aftershocks um, and there were rumors of, oh my gosh, there's hundred foot waves coming. There was just all these rumors. So we just stayed up in high ground with the whole group of people. And I think probably around four hours later, we went back down to the beach just to, to look for people that survived. I mean, to look for people that were hurt, to look for whatever, just to make sense of what happened, you know? So we were able to collect ourselves enough to go back down there again, but it does scar you, you know, it, I really... Um, you know, even to this day, it's kind of a shock that I was still even involved in it, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't seem credible and believable to me at all, you know. 
Yeah. So what what did you I mean, how was it now when, that you've come back down and you're trying to locate the people, you're seeing some uh sorry, but maybe some dead bodies. And how was it? Well, we saw I saw one body with a sheet covered up, and then there were boats out in the water, and we ran into a, a teacher friend of ours from our school in Kuwait that actually said he was out helping um, put a couple bodies in a boat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and David and I didn't quite do that, but there weren't really that many um, people that didn't make it because Raleigh was kind of landlocked. Okay. So it was a little bit more of a protected area. Ah. But if we were in Phuket, I heard Phuket got really hit hard. Yeah. And I saw pictures in magazines of, I mean, huge masses of bodies covered up with dry ice mm -hmm. just to remove the smell because it was so bad. So there were mass graves I know in Phuket. Mm -hmm. I know still Thailand was not quite as bad as Indonesia and Sri Lanka because yeah. we had a friend that was in Sri Lanka staying, I think, in a hotel. He woke up late and he saw things floating in his room from the water. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. like, oh, I think I better get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somehow he got out, but it was just crazy everywhere. And I know teachers were all getting in touch with each other. Are you okay? Are you okay? But, you know, boats were, those heavy tie boats were flung up into the trees. There were bricks ripped out of the sidewalk. I mean, that shows you the strength of that water. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine what you were going through, what you saw, what you experienced. I mean, everything that you describe about there uh and that's in the 400 pages book <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah that's yeah, so you're gonna get, you're gonna get <laughs> more details in it but uh yes uh so what's the now since there are two members i mean the first part and the second uh, part what do we expect in the first part i mean the first book i think first part is about listening to your inner ding you know I, it's that inner voice within you I want to call it the universe voice the God voice or whatever that mm -hmm. kind of comes into play when we know that something's not right in our lives and we want yeah. to take these big leaps maybe or even a small leap or some type of change you ask the universe to show you signs you know eventually it, it showed me the signs and I got the green light and I ended up going abroad I met David you know you go on I was involved in the tsunami and the, basically the book opens, um, there's a little taste of the tsunami in the first prologue, and then it wraps up with the tsunami at the end, the full um, chapter of what that was like. And then at the end of the chapter, you're like, okay, do I wanna keep going with this overseas type of life, crazy, crazy type of lifestyle? I mean, this is beyond anything. Maybe this is too much adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and do I want to keep here being in Kuwait with David? I just started dating David. I mean, we weren't that serious. I mean, we were dating, but we weren't, it's not like we were married or anything. So I'm like, there was a huge part of me that wanted to go back home to New York. I'd only been overseas for, you know, probably three years at that point. Yeah. Okay. Three years, actually. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. So that's where the book ends is kind of, uh, all right. You know, and then the second book picks up where, yeah, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to go back over and I'm going to live in Kuwait, finish yeah. out my time in Kuwait, and then move to Qatar. Mm -hmm. And and then how that, and then basically that inner, inner ding voice picks up again, that inner voice saying, you need to get back home. And that voice started kicking in around the time when I was 40. Like when these big, you know, these years that 
these decade years, um, you know, and then I didn't want to listen to it because I was married to David at this point. And I'm like, no, no, I got to stay with David. I got to stay with David. So I stayed in Qatar four more years and oh. I wanted to make sure that I go, am I homesick? Is it, you know, is it Qatar? Is it the Middle East? Should I teach somewhere else? It's just a, a tale of that journey about following your heart and being your authentic self and how I came back over, um, you know, ended up divorcing, unfortunately, David stayed overseas, but yeah. that's all right. And, you know, we're still friends and I think he bought it. He ends, he's now in the Philippines and he bought a house and he's very happy. So I'm happy for him, but I think it's starting over again in your forties. And I, you know, as a divorced woman and I came back home, I didn't have a job and how, how I basically rebuilt my life and became a writer, you know? So that's what the second book entails, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's about, happens to just about everyone. There are the tsunamis of life. You gotta right. get uh, meet with the challenges. Uh, sometimes you, uh, your loved one leaves you, you break up a right. relationship, your children denounce you if you have children. I mean, those are, have challenges that you face in life. Now you've been through a tsunami that you've survived, and then you've survived the tsunami of uh, a divorce. Right. How, how do you manage that? Because uh, it's not everyone that does, and uh, right. many people give up along the way. So how did you Right. Find well, that's funny. Way? It's funny because my, my first memoir is I survived a tsunami, and so can you, right? Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of it is when this inner voice kicks in that, that you need something different in life, that mm -hmm. you have to move forward and take that risk, it comes with, now that I look back on it, it came with sacrifice. Okay. It came with challenges and hardship, taking a risk and it's scary. Mm -hmm. You have that fear, you know, and you want to guarantee that everything is going to work out, but it just we doesn't work that way. We, want, we, don't, we, don't. <laughs> we don't have a guarantee. Yeah. So you have to listen to your heart uh -huh. logically what i kept doing is listening to my head okay i gotta stay with david i'm married to david i'm making good money in qatar mm -hmm. we're going on nice trips i should stay here i should do this and the guilt and the shame would kick in mm -hmm. but eventually after four years of beating myself up i'm like i remember going to see a, a psychiatrist in no. qatar at a hospital because I, I thought maybe if i go on medicine i can just numb myself and not have to worry about wanting to go home and be with family you know and um i can try to stay here and then remember the psychiatrist said to me jennifer it's quite simple what do you want to do what does your heart tell you to do and i said i want to go home <laughs> yeah and he said that's the choice you make the choice that's the decision. He goes, I am giving you permission to make that choice. And I think that's what I probably needed to hear was that I had the permission. I have the right to make a choice and make yeah. and somebody gave me the permission because I couldn't give myself that permission. Mm -hmm. And he said, once you make the choice, that's the choice. You can, you can um, reevaluate the choice down the road, but when you go home to New York, mm -hmm. things could change. Maybe you go back abroad again. Maybe David comes to you, but you go home first. That's what you have to do. And, um, you know, and David and I tried to make a long distance thing for a while, but eventually by 2019, I mean, that was four years later. I mean, we can't say we didn't try, you know, and, um, you know, I signed off on the divorce papers and I had a great job. Everything was falling into place. 
Um, it hurts for sure to lose mm -hmm. somebody that you love, but yeah. I think also there are many things that can be gained, you know, um, at the same time. And it's hard to lose somebody that you love so much, but gain other things, you know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, but once it's so funny, but once I signed off on those divorce papers, within a month, I met somebody at a gym and, you know, we talked for, I think it was four months. We were just friends and, and he finally asked me out, <laughs> but it's just funny how life works. It's almost like once I signed off on those divorce papers, I was telling the universe, okay, universe, I'm finally ready to move on after, yeah. you know, four years. So that was the green light. Yeah. And in your opinion, do you think that a lot of people go through the challenges? I mean, can we say like the, the break in their life and they lose everything, they lose direction because of some unresolved issues? I mean, without making a decision. I mean, they don't make a decision, so they don't resolve some issues. And so they end up breaking. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah. And if I didn't make, the, I think sometimes in life, and I, I'm a big fan of Bob Proctor. So okay. he always talks about, you know, at some point you got to take action. Yeah. You know? Because if not, basically what happens, and I see it around a lot where I live, people become complacent and they just accept so little for themselves. Mm. They're just like, well, this is just how life is. Um, because they never took action. Um, you know, and it's scary to take action. You got to get out of your comfort zone to take action. There might be sacrifice involved. There's going to be risk. There's going to be fear. But if your heart just keeps pushing you yeah. and you basically what you do, like I did, I ask for signs. I say, okay, God, if I'm, if I'm meant to do something different, I need to be shown, mm. um, and, you know, and basically I got the opportunity to teach abroad. I had the opportunity to move back home again after all that time. I went where I felt my heart was leading me and my body actually showed me the way as well because when i thought about moving back home after all those years i felt relieved i felt excited i felt like at peace the thought of staying behind in qatar felt once again suffocating just like it did when i went to kuwait the first time right. listen to your body what makes you excited what gives you a sense of peace what makes you, um, and, and then if I don't take action, am I gonna feel suffocated? Am I gonna yeah. feel like I'm stagnant, like I'm not moving? Um, am I gonna regret this down the road if I don't take action, you know? Um, what's the harm of trying it, you know? Um, and I think, you know, I think it just came out in my, finally, I think it comes out in the body, you know, and you can't ignore the body anymore, you know? I could yeah, yeah, yeah. not ignore it anymore. Um, I was developing hives. I had skin rashes, um, in, you know, in my last year in Kuwait, I was drinking a lot of wine. I, and that's not like me, um, you know, in Kuwait, I was a dry country. I didn't drink wine. I didn't have any alcohol for about eight years, unless I went to Thailand and had a beer now and then, <laughs> but really I didn't need it in my life. And, but then when I was in Qatar, I needed these vices to help me feel happy or at least neutral and uh -huh. i didn't want to live like that anymore i didn't yeah, want to yeah. be numb i didn't want to be numb i wanted to engage in life and i wanted to be somewhere where i could really do that yeah okay uh, and now coming to that decision and uh, yes you might have asked for a sign but uh, 
what is the one thing that you think triggered your decision? I mean, you say, okay, this is the one sign or this is the one um, uh, occurrence that has happened that uh, makes me settle for this decision that I have and take an action towards it. Okay. Well, the first thing I thought of was, okay, Kuwait's offered me a two-year contract. I don't know if I want to commit to two years. Uh-huh. So I thought, and my sister's like, well, just ask for a one-year contract. Some people do that. And I'm like, all right. So I thought, all right, something put it in my head to ask for a one-year contract. Okay. Then once the school said, yeah, great, we'll do that. I felt a little bit more at peace with that decision. Yeah. Then I asked, then I asked my school in New York, can I get a, can I get a, a one-year sabbatical, like a year off? And they're like, what? I wasn't even tenured yet. Like I didn't have my tenure here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'd only been working at this new school two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty brazen and bold to ask for that, I'm sure. But that was a lesson for me as well. Ask for what you want. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I asked and the school board said, yes, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So I had a year off from my school, which meant that after a year in Kuwait, I could always come back to my job if I wanted to. And yeah. I'm like, Heck, I, it's a win-win. I might as well try it because I had that um, security knowing that I still had my job if I yeah. wanted Mm-hmm. But of course, I ended up telling my school, no, I'm going to stay another year. So I ended up leaving my job after a year. But back at that time, I had that, you know, security and it helped me to, you know, all those green lights, the go aheads, you know, the signs. I kept saying, okay, God, give me more signs. Give me more signs. And they come. I remember somebody asked me, what if you don't get signs? I go, keep asking. You keep asking for signs and really look for signs. You got to look for them too. Yeah. yeah, because uh, I believe that one of the reasons that we don't get what we want is simply because we don't ask. Just right. as you say, we don't ask. And uh, anything that we may need in life could be available out there. Someone could be uh, having the answers that you seek. Or as you say, the universe could be holding them, waiting for you to ask for them to be delivered to you. So ask. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all the viewers, as you are watching this, I hope that you ask for what you want. And I ask you to go and buy the book, the memoir, once it's out. But uh, she will tell us when it's going to be out yeah. and how we can pre-order if it's possible. Yeah, my um, website is www.jenniferbensonbensonauthor.com. Yeah. So if there's any updates as to when my book is out, they will be on there. And all my tsunami pictures are on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. So that would be great. To, that's a great resource. Yeah. So you can always hop on there to jenniferbensonauthor.com and get to connect with Jennifer and uh, get to see that tsunami pictures and uh, know when the book is going to come out. And you can always share your idea or if you need some help, do you... Uh, make some personal assistances to people who reach out to you. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now that's, sure. good. that's good. And that will be good once uh, people will reach out to you. Uh, but before we go, we would like you to tell us a few words in summary about, in general, life or something like that. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love to. Uh, my biggest thing right now is think big. Think about what you want in life. And I've been doing that. something really big that I've been working on now is visualizing the outcome. Okay. Because I 
think that's our guide. That's like a gift. I think that we have from the universe is to use our imagination. Yeah. Visualize our outcome. So my advice is to have these goals. Think about what it is that you want. I have my goals on gold cards. Okay. Every day I read my goals and I read them with enthusiasm, right? Yeah. And I have this good vibe going out into the universe. And I'm, I'm telling the universe, this is what I want. These are like, I think I have 10 or 15 cards. Okay. And then I listen, I, I read them every morning and every night. And I, I think, you know, once you have that idea of where you want to go, I focus on what the end looks like. I focus on what the end feels like. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to ask the universe for help and, you know, obtain, obtaining those goals and asking people around you for help. Uh -huh. You know, just like I did. If I didn't ask the school for that one year leave and if they didn't give that to me, I'm not sure if I would have went overseas and I would have missed out on 13 years of awesomeness. You know, and that awesome experience. So think about your goals. I know, um, you know, all the greats always say, write down your goals, visualize the outcomes, think about how happy and wonderful and elated. Yay, I can't believe this happened. Yay, it feels uh -huh. so great. Yeah. Visualize it, do it every single day, you know? And and I think that's probably the, my biggest thing that I'm working on right now is I read those gold cards every single day and I expect the best. Oh. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we wish you to get to reach your goals and succeed in every possible way that you dream about. Oh, thank and, you. Yes, and this is the reminder to those who are watching and those who are listening. Uh, remember to set your goals, visualize you achieving them. Yes. And ask, and not only ask, but take the appropriate action towards your goals. Yeah. You take don't take them, nobody's going to take them for you. Right. Take those leaps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, we really appreciate your presence here and for sharing uh, with us your story. We really appreciate Thank you. My yes. pleasure. Yeah. It's been an honor to have you on our show. And uh, we look forward to seeing the book come out, the first, at least. So. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anthony. This has been a great, uh, have a great day, everybody. Thank okay. you so much. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.